just the basic story of the day. Uh, we speak of this concept of uh, us calling, God answering, us being in his presence. And we are in this series of messages that we've been uh, sharing with um, about Jesus at work. And we've been talking about the way in which we live, not just uh, at church. And then we have a segmented life over here where we work and we've got to play and all those kind of things. But, but really, we are living Jesus all the time. And Jesus goes with us into the workplace. And, and today's message really talks about this idea of, of giving witness to the hope that we have within us. And so my message is titled Work and Witness. And we usually use that term, work and witness, uh, kind of in another term, like we're going to Mexico and we're going to have the family mission trip and do whatever we're doing there. But, but really, it is talking about this idea of how can we use the opportunity of work to give witness, to share um, about our faith. And, and honestly, when I've talked about this over the years, I, I tend to get uh, pretty similar reactions. Uh, people say to me, well, I can't do that. I, I, and I work for the government. I can't say anything about church and the government or about Christ or any of that stuff. Well, okay, well, fine. I, I work for the school district. I, can't, I work for this or that and the other thing. And, and, and usually what happens is that we basically talk ourselves out of a great opportunity that we have. And, and I hope that today you will just give me a chance to just talk to you about some realities that have an impact in how we give testimony or witness or share or whatever word you want to use about the hope that we have within us, that Christ is placed within us. And three things I'm going to tell you today. It's in your outline in the bulletin. Uh, if you want to keep track of that, I'm going to tell them all everything I know to say to you in five minutes, which you'll all say, well, then just sit down and be quiet. Uh, but I'm then going to talk about it for another 10. So three things that you, that you want to get about the realities of God at work in our world around us. And it's this. First one is this, is that God is always at work drawing people to himself in a loving relationship. God, God is constantly at work. That's his big thing that he's doing. I mean, we talk about what does God do in the world? Well, God sustains us. God holds us. God, you know, keeps all the world rolling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he does all that stuff. But the main thing God is doing in the midst of all of this is he's trying to develop a loving relationship with us. He is constantly at work drawing and calling and nurturing and, and planting seeds and doing all kinds of things that says, hey, world, <laughs> I really do love you. Hey, world, you know, we can have a relationship. Hey, world, we can get along here. And, and that's what God is doing. That He is constantly at work at that. He doesn't just do that on Sunday mornings at 1030 in the morning. You know, that, he, that's not, yeah, he, he's all the time. He's, at, he's in the evenings when you're doing devotions, when you're having fun. He's, he's there all the time. He's even there, and this is the point, he's even there when you're at work. He's there at work. And kind of the little play on the word Jesus at work. <laughs> Jesus is working at your work. And, and we have all those kinds of things. And, and so that's the first thing we have to understand is that, that God is continually working. He's always at work drawing people to himself. That's what his big deal is. Now, the second thing is this, is that people are seeking after God more than you think they are. Now, sometimes we get into this place and we say, well, you know, I, I don't know. You know, nobody's interested in this stuff, and, and it seems so hard. Or, or we know this person. We say, oh, my goodness, they're so far from this stuff that they'd never be interested. And we we kind of write off people and, and what they're doing. But i got to just tell you, people are more interested in God than we think they are. Now, they don't always know that, but they are. 
Uh, what, what happens is that oftentimes they, they're looking for something. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for answers to problems or questions that they have. But where they are ultimately is they're, they're really after God. They're after something in this universe that tells me that makes sense what's going on. And that's God. That's God. And people are seeking after those things more often than you think. In fact, they're more ready to hear you talk about it than you think that you are. they are. They're, they're, they're just people genuinely want to hear about Jesus and about a difference that it's made in your life. Now, what they don't want, they don't want to be condemned. And they don't want to be preached at. And they don't want to have somebody rag on them. And they, you know, they, don't want, they don't need that or want that. Anybody like that stuff? No. Why do you think somebody out there, nobody wants that stuff. But they genuinely want to talk about spiritual matters. They want to talk about this more than just me kind of life. They want to hear about Jesus. And they, and they really would like to know, what does this mean to you? Does this make any difference to you? They're really interested in that stuff, more than you think. And the third reality I would just share with you is this, is that our task is simply to respond to what God is doing in the hearts or doing in hungry hearts. That's our task. Our task is just to respond to what God is already doing. Sometimes we think, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But really, it is God at work and he says, okay, will you, will you let me use you? And will you let me use you? And, and we say yes. That's our job. You just say yes. God, what do you want to do with me? Okay, I'm, I'm there. Let's do it. And those are three simple realities. God is always at work drawing people to himself, that people are really are more hungry and interested than you think they are. And our job is just to respond to God. Just respond to God and what he's doing in the lives of people around you. And, and I want you to kind of get this idea through our text today. It's Acts chapter 8, uh, beginning at verse, uh, whatever that is there, 26, I think. I can read the print, but can't read the numbers. It's just that much smaller. Acts 28, 26, it, it's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. And, and I want to just read that to us and, and you'll get the idea of that. Let's see how these kind of principles come out of this passage. It says, it says now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south, take, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. 
It's this amazing story of how God is at work in this process. And, and, and what we can see in this is that, is that before Philip ever comes into the story, God is already at work in the Ethiopian's life. He's already doing things in his life. You see, this, this uh, Ethiopian had somehow had this curiosity. I, we're pretty confident he was not of Jewish background, but he was just traveling to Jerusalem to worship. He's curious. He's seeking out stuff. He's trying to understand what is this stuff about God and how do I find out answers? And while he's there, he he comes across this book of Isaiah and he's reading this book and he's thinking about it, but he's struggling. See, there is this process of God already doing this good thing, already planting the seeds, as we kind of heard about here, that the seeds had been planted and things had been going. Curiosity had been developed. God is at work drawing this Ethiopian to himself. Philip comes into the story as one who's listening and following after God's promptings in his life. He hears the Spirit tell him, "Uh, go down that road, go down the desert road. I know there's a nicer, easier, cleaner, cooler road, but but take the desert road and just go down there and and just go. And and Philip says, okay, I don't understand why you want me to go there, but I'm going to go. So he goes. And when he gets down there, that... He sees this caravan going along, and here's the Spirit again. Go and be near that chariot. Go stand near that chariot. And, and that's half the secret right there. And he goes. He just stands close. And then he begins to listen. He begins to listen. And he hears this guy reading from the book of Isaiah. So he asks a question. You know what you're reading? Do you understand? You know, questions have an amazing kind of way that they just prompt more questions. The Ethiopian says, well, how can I know unless somebody tells me? And, well, I'd be glad to tell you. Come on up. Get in the van. Gets in. And he begins to explain the things of Jesus, starting from the place where this Ethiopian was at. And he walked him all the way through scriptures and talked to him about Jesus until the place where the Ethiopian said, I get it. I understand it, man. I'm in. Let's get baptized. You see, this story is this kind of amazing process of revealing what's going on here. It tells us something about the way we give witness in the workplace to Christ. Philip had a ready heart. You know, he would already said, God, he had this mindset that said, God, I'm available. Do with me what you want to do. Use me how you want to use me. And I would just encourage you, when you think about how you go through your day, I hope that when you get up in the morning, the very first thing you're saying before you even get out of, out of your bedroom is you're saying, God, what do you want to do with me today? I'm available. Maybe, maybe your availability is right in your house before you ever even get to the kitchen. There's some good work happening in families. But, but God, what do you want to do with me? How do you want to use me? What do you want to do? And when you go through your day with a mindset that says, God, here I am, things change, things happen. See, Philip had a ready heart, and we can too. He was listening to God. He was putting himself in a position to be used by God. He just drew near to the chariot. Now, when you think about the stories here, do you hear how they just drew near the chariot? I'm just washing the dirty uniforms, trying to save money. That's drawing near. You're just drawing near people 
and saying, let's do life together. Let's hang out. Let's see what's going on. And, and in that process, something goes on. There, there's a, a drawing near and a position that places us to be used of God. And we make choices about life as we go through life and those things. We're, we're at, well, you may or may not have done this, but you may have said, God, God, what do you want to do with me in my life? What career do you want me to follow? And we, we choose a career path. And, and after that, we, we make choices about, well, you're going to work for this company or that company, or what am I going to do? And we choose a lifestyle or an ethic that we're going to work by, the kind of things that we've talked about in past weeks to say, how do you live out your faith in the workplace? And we, we choose to do those kinds of things. All of those things are placing us in an environment where God can use us. Our attitudes by which we work. Those are kind of big things. How about where you park? Does that seem like a silly thing? God, where do you want me to park today? Anybody ever ask that question? I don't. I just say to Norma, Norma, do your thing. She always gets the best parking spaces. I park out in the end of the parking lot. She says, just go to the door. There's something there. I don't know. But, but where you park makes a difference. Maybe, maybe not. Are you listening? Maybe when you decide to take your coffee break, maybe, maybe the path that you take when you're walking through your building, one way or another, maybe that places you somewhere where God would want to use you. But the question comes back to say, are you listening? Are you available for God to use you how he'd want to use you? And sometimes giving witness is more about responding than it is about initiating. It it, it wasn't Philip with this big plan when he got up in the morning and said, gee, I think I'm going to try to lead an Ethiopian to Jesus today. No, no. It was just saying, God, what do you want to do with me? And then, and then responding to his motion and movement in life. See, that's what we need. It's just listening to what's going on in the lives of those around us. You know anybody around you who has stuff going on in their lives? You see, because there are more opportunities for us to be used of God in our world around us than we typically think. We, we think too often about, well, if I'm going to have this big project I'm going to do and I'm going to you know, fix the world, I'm going to do whatever. Do you know anybody around you who's got a heartache? Anybody who's dealing with health issues? Anybody who's struggling in relationships? Anybody who's, who just has questions about life? I, I'm telling you, There are opportunities around us all the time. Sometimes it's just people coming and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And you hear it when people say conversations and and they'll they'll say things like, you know, I don't understand why, you know, my spouse is doing this or that or the other thing. And and you know what they're saying to you? Help. (laughs) They're saying help. Will you hear me? Will you listen? Sometimes they're dealing with sorrow and heartache and they've lost a loved one and they're just like, they may be just angry and maybe they just need somebody to just listen to them. It's just about being present in people's lives as they're going through stuff. You don't have to have a big program to do this or that with them. It's just walking with people with an availability for God.
I didn't always, I wasn't, hasn't, have not always been a pastor. Years ago, I worked in a counseling center. It was a state-funded counseling center, and and here I am. You know, I'm a really pretty young guy. I'm passionate about Christ. You know, I'm in disciple, hardcore kind of disciple kind of thing. I've just graduated from Wheaton College, which is a real strong Christian uh, school, and counseling psychology, and then I'm ready to go. And, and I get my first job out of my master's program, and I'm working for the state-funded clinic, counseling clinic. And, and here I walk in, and I, you know, I get hired, and I tell my supervisor, you know, this is who I am. I'm a Christian, and, and I believe that God is able to help us. And, you know, da, 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 da. and believe it or not, they actually gave me freedom to do that. They said, well, just don't shove it down anybody's throat. You know, if, they, if they're okay, then I'm okay. Just do what you got to do. Just don't shove it. And so I went through and I, you know, I would work with my clients and, and just talk to them and say, you know, pray with them. Is it okay if I pray for you? I believe that God can make a difference in your life. And, and we just kind of did that. And they said, no, I didn't pray. If they said, yes, well, we prayed. And, and we just kind of did the thing. And, and, and it was one of those kind of opportunities and relationships. Where I had people coming in every day that were saying, man, my life is messed up and I need help and help me. And I worked in an environment of people who, you know, did not come from that background. And, and, and yet, you know, they were there. And, and I just kind of invested myself in their lives. And I hung out with them. And we, they did their parties. And I would go to their parties. And we'd do their thing. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do what they were doing. But I showed up. I just kind of went and hung out with them and talked with them. And when they had a problem or an issue or a concern, and who'd they call? Me. They say, you know, I just broke up with my boyfriend or my mom just passed away or, or I've got this thing going on in my life and would you pray? Would you pray? I know you pray. Would you pray? Yes, I would. They hadn't been in church for 20 years. And... So when things hit the fan, they knew who to call. I'd be happy to pray for you. And we walk through life in those kinds of ways when we're, we're just present in people's lives with a mindset that says, God, I'm available to you. Use me. One of the fun stories of Norma, she's not here today. She's not feeling very good, but she, Norma used to work for a domestic violence shelter and, and uh, she was in court a lot. And, and one day she was, she was in court and for another case and she was sitting there and, and while she was just waiting for her trial thing to come up. Um, a man was there, a Hispanic gentleman, and he had just had this situation and they were taking him from where he was at in that courtroom to jail. Like, you can't go home, you can't do anything else, you're off to jail. And, and Norma, for whatever reason, was sitting in the court for another client doing something else and she had this little thought in her head, <laughs> this little thought in her head, okay, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit's prompting. Has this little thought in her head that says, huh, this guy speaks no English. They're translating for him, speaks no English, and he's on his way from here. We were in Payson, Arizona. He's on his way from Payson to Globe to go to jail. And I wonder what's going on with his family. And, and so when she finished her little thing, what she was doing in the court, she got in her car and she said, Lord, I need to find this family. I don't know anything about this family. I need to find this family. Where is the family at? And, and God began to talk to her and, and, and she was reminded, said, oh, I know this mobile home park and there are a lot of 
folk that live there in that neighborhood. I wonder if she's there. So she drove around, got to town. It's a small town. You know, it's not like San Diego, small town. But he drove around, found this little mobile home park, and, uh, and went in, drove in, and she said, okay, which one? Have you ever been there? Which one? And so she's driving along, driving along, driving along, and then she says, I think this one. And she gets out of the car and knocks on the door. Knocks. No answer. Knocks on the door again. Finally, there's a little girl opens the door. Little, little munchkin little girl opens the door. And Norma asks her, is your mommy here? Your mommy here? And this little girl, she just steps back and points down the hallway. And there was mama on the floor. She was nine months pregnant and was in deep trouble. And Norma went in, talked to her, said, you need to go to the hospital right now. You know, grab her up, throw, you know, throw her in the car. Get her to the car, take her, take her to the hospital. And that lady delivered her baby within just minutes of that time. And the doctor had said, if you had not had her here, we would have lost this baby and probably the mother's life as well. It was just a complicated delivery. And she'd have been there by herself in that little trailer park, trailer home. And I just say, I keep going back and I say, God... It's just listening. It's just listening to God's promptings in your life and what he's doing and being willing to say, God, use me as you want to go. And he does that. He does that. And we minister and impact the lives of people, whether it's on a booster club or whether it's your neighbor or whether it's your coworker or wherever it is, if we'll just be listening to what God is doing, and willing to speak into it. And sometimes that's just practical, tangible stuff like, let me get you to the hospital. And sometimes it's, let me tell you about this Jesus I know. It's work and witness. <laughs> it's life. It's Jesus at work. It's us all the time just sharing the hope that we have within us. Passage of scripture I really like, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, This is a tremendous passage of scripture because it, it speaks to us about the reality that says, we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. When, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, do you know what that says? It says, God, what do you want to do with me? Lord, you're in charge. Use me as you want to use me. Do with me what you want to do with me. Have your way down in my life. And then, and then it says, we ought to be ready to give a reason to the hope that we have within us for everyone that asks us. Do you know this? A couple of questions, things that come out of this. First of all, we have to be people of hope. Do you know that we are people of hope? And we've been singing about this stuff. We've been talking about it. It is the hope of Jesus Christ that he's given to us, that we have new life and a relationship with God. Does that make every problem go away? No. It doesn't. But it is hope that we have in the midst of the stuff of life. And give an answer for those who ask a question. Isn't that an amazing process? That people are hungry and asking. If you have hope of Jesus in your life, people are going to know the difference. They're going to say, I don't know how you do that. 
what's going on with you? And hope comes and an opportunity to share our story. See, Jesus Christ came in my life. My life is different because he lives within me. I have hope even in the midst of darkness. I have hope even in the midst of struggle and sorrow. I have hope because he lives in my life. And he says, do it with gentleness and respect. We don't got to harangue people. I say, I'm picking up your language here. It's not necessary to harangue people about the love of God. Why would you have to do that? We have the greatest message in the world. This God, creator of the universe, came to earth to show us how much he loved us. He died for us. He took our place. He took our guilt. He took our penalty that we might have forgiveness and new life and new hope and a relationship with the creator of all the universe. That's good news, folks. You don't got to beat people up about that. What's more, God is already at work. Just have to listen. Just have to respond. Give a reason for the hope that you have within you with gentleness and respect. to shed his blood, to be raised to new life and invite us into that life as well. So Lord, today as we share in these elements, your broken body and shed blood, remembrances of your great love, would you bless these elements to our betterment and bless each one of us as we share together. We pray in Jesus' name.